As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. You're listening to Here's the Catch with David Lombardi, Matt Barrows, and Dennis Brown on the Athletic Podcast Network. Plain and simple, no sugarcoating it. The 49ers blew one today, 19-10 loss to a Bears team, and it was made all the more frustrating for the 49ers by the fact that, guys, we had a very clear exhibition in the first half that the 49ers were better, that the 49ers were more talented. I mean, you saw a massive advantage on the defensive line against Chicago's O-line. And I thought that you even saw a big advantage on the other front, the 49ers O-line against the Bears D-line. And it turned into a 10-point lead for the 49ers, but they shot themselves in the foot in a way that we've only seen a couple times before in the Kyle Shanahan tenure. 12 penalties, 99 yards. And the Bears capitalized on the biggest of those penalties, on those drive extenders with three touchdowns in the second half. And they came away with a, with a nine-point win. I mean, if you just look at the scoreboard, then you'd be like, whoa, the Bears won this game handily. But if you look at the box score, you see the 49ers actually controlled a lot of the proceedings. And if you actually watch the game, well, Matt, it was a tale of two games. It was the 49ers dominating the first half. And then in the second half, just unable to get out of their own way. Yeah, you look at the uh, the stat line, and, and both teams uh, ran the ball 37 times. The 49ers averaged 4.8 yards, and the Bears averaged 2.7 yards. <laughs> usually, usually you see that, and that's a blowout for one of the teams. And, uh, and it obviously wasn't, and the great equalizer was all the mistakes that they made. And it was a group effort. Uh, points left on the board, Debo Samuel, uh, Samuel fumbling in the red zone, uh, Trey Lance missing uh, Tyler Croft on a, on a would-be touchdown, lots of linebacker penalties, um, and then uh, a, a bad interception by Lance in, in the fourth quarter. Uh, There's going to be a lot of Lance scrutiny, um, but like I said, this was a group effort, and uh, we should uh, welcome back to the podcast Dennis Brown, I wish, Dennis, that we could uh, welcome you back under more happy circumstances for your 49ers, but boy, they just fell apart uh, midway through that third quarter. Didn't they, though? No, that first half, and I'm going to be honest with you guys, even though at halftime the Niners were only up 10 to nothing, I kind of felt the game was over because... 
They control the entire football game. The defense showed up from the first snap with Javon Kinlaw just breaking through the line of scrimmage and putting pressure. Um, Nick Bosa, uh, the linebackers, just the way they were swarming. How about uh, Hufunga? I mean, he was all over the field. I was like, well, yeah, this team, they're focused in, uh, and everybody was right. This is not a very good Bears uh, football team. And then the second half shows up. And, you know, Trey Lance, we all know he's he's inexperienced. He's, he doesn't have enough games under his belt. Didn't play in the preseason. He's going to need help from his defense, his running game, and all the other all these other weapons on the offensive side of the ball. And then in the second half, he loses them all. The defense starts making mistakes. Eliza Mitchell's no longer in the football game. Debo Samuelson just kind of disappears. Uh, and then it's kind of all on his shoulder. And then on top of that, the skies open up and, you know, it was a done deal after that. So a lot of missed opportunities, a lot of points left on the field in the first half. But I tell you, I thought the game was over at 10 to nothing. Yeah, so the the missed opportunities you're talking about, Debo Samuel fumbled at the 12-yard line. That was inexcusable. That was kind of the way that he christened the new contract. That was the first carry that we saw from Debo Samuel. He made up for it when he plowed over Eddie Jackson for the touchdown a little bit later in the first half. But that fumble at the 12 cost the 49ers at least three points, right? If you assume that Robbie Gold is going to make a chip shot, at most it cost them seven points, and, and that would have changed the game. And then they had Tyler Croft wide open and Lance missed him and Lance mentioned that in his post-game press conference Kyle Shanahan mentioned in his post-game press conference so just between those two plays you assume that Croft one would have been a touchdown with a good throw and you assume at least three points uh, in the Debo Samuel fumble sequence then you you add 10 points to the 49ers total boom 20 to 0 the Bears scored 19 that's a 2019 win so yes uh, the 49ers offense should have, could have, and should have piled on more there in the first half. But I agree with you, Dennis. You looked at how that game was flowing. You looked at the fact that Justin Fields had three net passing yards in the first half. I mean, the Bears, not only they, they couldn't pass, they were afraid to pass. And that was the best pass defense performance of the Shanahan tenure in the first half. The, the only one that was close to that was when they held Aaron Rodgers in 2019, the night nine net passing yards. But they obviously finished that game. They didn't finish this one. So, uh, you know, for a while I thought, you know, this is a 2019 style defense and maybe it still will be. I think they flexed those muscles in the first half. But guys, 12 penalties for 99 yards. Matt, I think Trent Williams said it best. He's played a lot of football. So he's seen quite a few games where teams have had 100 penalty yards, and Trent Williams couldn't remember a time that his team has won when they had 100 penalty yards. And I, and I think the 49ers were victims of that today. I'll put, put it this way. I mean, they, they held the Bears to 99 rushing yards, which is a great number. You always want to hold the, uh, the opponent under 100. But they gave away 99 in penalty yards. So it was as if all, that were all for, for naught. And, um, yeah, to me, um, the circumstances, the weather conditions – meant that this was going to be a close game. And uh, I think everybody thought that the more talented team would win a close game. They would force the other team to make more mistakes. And and that was what was so bothersome to the 49ers in the locker room afterwards, is that they were the better team. They did force mistakes, but they just had so many mistakes of their own, unforced. It reminded me a lot of the opener in 2020 against the Cardinals. 
when they just couldn't get out of their own way. Every time they were about to get off the field, Kyler Murray would do one of his quick slides, and the 49ers couldn't handle it, and they'd, they'd hit him as he slid, and that would extend the drive, and they, uh, I think they lost that game by four points. This was the same thing. They, they should have been able to take control. Trey Greenlaw is a very good linebacker. Sometimes he plays just beyond the point of aggression. And uh, he was in the middle of a lot of uh, dubious plays today, one after the other, really. And, and they were ticky-tacky, some of these calls. The face mask call was ticky-tacky. I thought the, the one where Justin Fields was sliding out of bounds, <laughs> Drake Greenlaw barely grazed him as he, as he was uh, heading that way. But, I mean, you, you just can't allow teams to get those. And Nick Bosa said it. You know, when, when you're as bad as the Bears were on offense, a 15-yard penalty is huge. And uh, it, it absolutely was. And it, and it swung the momentum for the home team. And they stole a victory today. You know, the face mask is, is hard to kind of call because, you know, you're, you're trying to be aggressive. You're trying to be physical. And I've been in those piles. And you're just, you're, you're just reaching. You don't know if you're grabbing a face mask. You're, you know, you, you're just grabbing for something, you know, to hopefully, you know, pull down. It's just hard to kind of regulate that. But you do have to understand, as a defensive player, that quarterbacks, if they're going to go to slide and you put any hands on them or anything on them, it's going to be a penalty. And, mm-hmm. you know, quarterbacks know that. They're protected. They know that. So that has to become part of your game plan if you're a defender, if you're a linebacker, if you're a, a safety coming up. Once you see that quarterback start to give up himself, you, you got to figure out a way to jump over. And I know it's hard because you're coming full speed. It's, it's hard to do. But, uh, you know, the Javon Kinlaw holding, that's something that, you know, all defense linemen we do. We try to get our linebackers to flow, so we're trying to grab jersey jerseys and hold on so, you know, so the so that guard or tackle can't scoop to the next level. And, you know, but these are, again, these are things that can be fixed. I mean, it sounds kind of crazy, you know. I mean, it, it's discipline. And it makes me wonder, you know, a lot of these guys we didn't see in the preseason. Uh, the sec- we saw, like, in the Rams game, the Rams fell apart in the second half. The 49ers fell apart in the second half. And it makes me wonder how important all those preseason games. I know there's, you know, there's joint practices and all that great stuff. But how important as far as just getting mentally ready for a football game are these preseason games? Yeah, I mean, that was my one kind of criticism of the 49ers process, especially after I analyzed how this game went. I still remember that Kyle Shanahan was talking about that week three preseason game about being a dress rehearsal. And he has talked in the past about the importance of a dress rehearsal. He's done it before. And that means he's played close to all 22 of his starters in the first half. And then the 49ers had a little schedule snafu this year where that third preseason game was on a Thursday. And it was coming after a game on a Saturday, the week two game against Minnesota. So Shanahan ultimately decided to not make that week three game address rehearsal. He sat many of his starters. He played Trey Lance, but not all too much. And I thought that, you know, it, maybe it was the rain because sometimes it's harder to let up on some of these tackle attempts. Sometimes the game could be sloppier in those kind of conditions. But I think it was probably a combination of factors. And uh, to me, one of the factors absolutely had to be that the 49ers had not properly rehearsed game settings yet because they had 12 penalties in this game. And let me tell you what, this is some 49ers history in the Shanahan era. This was the fourth most penalized game in the Shanahan era. Number one was at Kansas City in 2018, 14 penalties. Then they had a pair of games in 2017 and 2018, 
Seattle was one of them in 2018 where they had 13 penalties. Today they had 12. They're, so the, the top three most penalized games, those were all bad football teams, right? The 49ers might go down that path. I don't think they will. But I, I think, you know, you're either a really bad team if you get penalized this often or the alternative theory is you are a team that's playing in your season opener and you haven't yet knocked off the rust. And guess what? The number five most penalized game on that list, today was number four, the number five most penalized game on the list was the 2019 season opener at Tampa Bay where the 49ers were penalized 11 times. So in that game, the 49ers ended up winning, but I still remember, guys, we were doing this podcast. I actually was doing that one on my phone from uh, from an airport or something, I remember, back in 2019. And, and we were talking about how bad the 49ers looked, yet they still won. They found a way to win that game. They didn't find a way to win today, but the bigger picture is that they found a way to eliminate that rash amount of penalties over the course of that 2019 season, and they were a really good football team that ended up in the Super Bowl. So, Matt, this can go one of two ways. The 49ers can actually be a bad team that penalizes itself a ton, just like the the top three teams on that list, 2017 and 2018, or uh, they can prove that this was a fluke and that it might have been because they didn't actually do a dress rehearsal in the preseason, and they can eliminate these penalties moving forward. Yeah, I thought there were other some sort of uh, dress rehearsal type issues as well. There were some missed tackles uh, in that first half, and they otherwise dominated that half, so it kind of got unnoticed, but, but Drake Greenlaw had one. I think uh, Emmanuel Mosley had another. Uh, there was obviously the, the missed tackle that Eric Armstead had on that would-be sack. Uh, I, I don't know if I, I blame him. I, I'd like to get Dennis's opinion on that. Sometimes when you're playing a really good athlete like Justin Fields, he's, he's going to get away, and, and that's exactly yeah. what happened on that play. Um, but, um, you know, Dennis, you mentioned Javon Kinlaw. I, I'd like to get your opinion on how some of the linemen played. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, this was his first game in a long time. Drake Jackson, this was his first ever NFL game. And what are your thoughts on that uh, that whiff by Eric Armstead that really kind of broke open this game for the Bears? Yeah, and, you know, that's tough. The field's slippery. You get on the edge of your foot. I mean, you. the bottom line is you got contained. You know, and, and you know, I'm, I'm sure the 49ers worked all week long on containment. Because this is a guy that his book is if he if he gets out to the to the left side he's going to throw the ball down the field. You know, at the end of the day, you are the defensive end. You've got contain your pass rush. That is your pass rush lane. Your job is to contain the passer. If he's going to run, you got him to run it back inside where all your friends are. So that's tough. But I mean, in film study, he's going to get it. He's going to get it because he whiffed him. And you know, sometimes that happens, especially when you got these. These quarterbacks like this, these strong, quick quarterbacks, they can get away from those those kind of tackles. So it's a tough deal, but uh, you're right. I mean, was that that was the play where Dante Pettis came wide open, correct? Yeah, absolutely. You see the defensive back thinking, "Oh shoot, you know, uh, we got a we got a you know quarterback running," and then you kind of bite up, and then you know the ball goes over your head. And Dante Pettis was standing there wide. It wasn't like he was juking anybody. He was standing there just wide open, and that's the threat. You know that quarterbacks like that bring to to football games. I mean, you have to you have to defend them, and you have to respect the fact that they might run the football. But you often have to figure out if you're a defensive back that you're a defensive back. You know, I, I know you you got to come up, come up for run support, 
But quarterback starts scrambling. I think offenses have offenses do this thing called a scramble drill, and you 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 look for the ball. You try to get open and look for the balls. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with twenty four seven U.S. based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, uh, that was the Dante Pettis revenge play. And unfortunately for the 49ers, there was more than one of them. It, it was shortly thereafter, third down and nine, one-on-one coverage, Charverius Ward held Dante Pettis. And I mean, if you had to draw up a 49ers nightmare to open up this season, you'd have Justin Fields beating you, right? Because there was the old Trey Lance, Justin Fields debate in the fan base when they were picking in 2021. And you'd have him beating you by throwing to Dante Pettis, who didn't do hardly anything for you, especially after 2018. I, yeah, I guess he had the touchdown against Pittsburgh and one of those touchdowns against Arizona. But Dante Pettis, I mean, he burned out quick, right? And uh, there was no way he would have made the 49ers roster this year, which I think is illustrative of the fact that the 49ers have a better roster than than the Bears. But Pettis goes there, makes two of the biggest plays of the game. Uh, yes, one of them I would consider to be a fluke slash, yes, Justin Fields created that. But the fact that he was so open and that the 49ers just couldn't get over there to at least push him out of bounds before he made it to the, to the goal line to live to fight another down um, – some inexcusable stuff for the secondary. Matt, to me, it seemed like the secondary, you know, they weren't really tested at all in the first half. I, I know Fields had the one interception to Ufanga where nobody was open. Uh, to, to me, it seemed that the, the Bears, with their reluctance to throw in the first half, the 49ers secondary, it's almost like their their feet got stuck in cement. And in the second half, the, that Equinemius St. Brown touchdown, uh, there was nobody within five yards of him. And of course, on the Pettis one, there's nobody near him too. But but there were some major coverage breakdowns. You have to wonder if uh, Jimmy Ward's presence was really missed on those. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it was like uh, a, a night and day game for that group. Once that once that Dante Pettis touchdown occurred, um, the lights went off. And, and almost literally so. I mean, at 2.30 in the afternoon here in Chicago, and it's still summertime, right? We're not, we're not in, in the fall yet. Um, the, the stadium lights were on like it was midnight. Uh, it was just, a, just, just an odd atmospheric event, and, and the 49ers reflected that. And, you know, uh, Justin Fields had a very um, modest, I would say, game. He was 8 of 17 for 121 yards. Uh, Trey Lance had 164 yards. Uh, so it, it wasn't as if he was lights out. The, the difference was that he made a couple of really, really big plays when the Bears absolutely had to have them. Uh, and the 49ers really couldn't, uh, couldn't match that magic. Although I do think that Lance had a couple of really nice uh, throws. He had one to Juwan Jennings. Uh, another deep one, I think, was to Brandon Ayuk. And then there was one to Ross Dwelly where he just kind of threaded a needle, right? Right, A very tough 
throw tough catch type of thing. But I think he followed that up with the uh, the bad uh, throw over the middle, and I think that one was also going to uh, Juwan Jennings. That uh, the, the 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 Bears uh, veteran safety read his eyes. Um, everybody was reading his eyes. He was going there all the way, and it was an easy pick. So I mean, it, it's exactly what we were expecting from Trey Lance. Some good, some bad, some really bad. A lot of runs. I thought too many runs actually. I mean, uh, we were criticizing this team after that week five uh, uh, loss last year to the Cardinals in which he ran the ball, I think it was 16 times. Well, he he ran the ball 13 times in this game. And uh, I thought there was a real difference between when Justin Fields ran the ball and when Lance did. Fields has the knack for the, you know, the quick slide, for avoiding big hits. Trey Lance was, was taking some big ones today, Dennis. In fact, if you looked at people's jerseys, I, I sort of ranked it like this. I thought that Charlie Warner, the tight end, had the the dirtiest, uh, messiest jersey out of all the 49ers. And then uh, Talano Hufanga and Fred Warner were probably tied for second. The, the guy who was in third place was the quarterback, Trey Lance. And you don't really want to see your quarterback with a messed up jersey like that. I don't know if it's sustainable for a full season. There's nothing wrong with a grimy quarterback getting his jersey a little dirty. Yeah, no. one takes that one takes a lot of hits though. That's the problem. It's not sustainable for the full season and that's why they have Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster. I mean, the, oh, the way that Trey runs. There it is. There it is. I was waiting I'm, I'm for serious. It. I'm serious though. The way that he runs, he runs with Debo Samuel's style and that is not that's not going to work for for 17 games. So I think that Shanahan, I mean, part of the, the reason they want that deep quarterback room is because of that risk, right? Yeah, and you're right. I mean, you look at the way he runs. You got to learn how to slide. You know, and I think he said in during the preseason, one of the preseason games that he got some of his starts, he didn't know how to slide. He had never slid in, in, in college. So that says a lot about what his mentality is. You know, he, he may still think he can run over these guys, and you can't. And you, then you can also see... What a weapon. You know, if you were to slide, uh, if, if a defender hits you, that's an automatic first down. So, you know, there's right. some advantages. But you look around the league, quarterbacks who play for a while, they learn that slide real fast and you perfect it. So he ran the ball 13 times. That means he probably got hit 50 times. You know, he's going to wake up tomorrow tomorrow morning with some bumps and some bruises. I mean, you can't run and take those shots, you know, in, in this league. You know, it's been done, but those guys, you know, remember when Cam Newton came into the league? I mean, he was Superman, you know, and he just got beat up and he was a big dude. I mean, you get beat up if you're a quarterback and you want to continue to run. You just get beat up over the years. You just you just can't do it. Yeah, and, and Dennis, you're right uh, about him waking up feeling sore tomorrow. Remember the last time something like this happened was Trey's first start in his yeah. career against Arizona last year. Ran 16 times. Nobody said anything after the game. He wakes up the next day with a knee injury, right? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, some of this stuff, the adrenaline, it takes a while to, to – pierce through the adrenaline. So, I, I mean, I'm fully on board. I, I did a big thing with with Steve Young that, that came out on Friday before the game where we talked about Steve's development into being a more sustainable player. Headline thing number one was don't rely on your legs that much because that's not a sustainable way to win uh, for two reasons. A, you, you got to stay healthy, but B, 
to win at the NFL level, you have to be able to deliver from the pocket. And Matt, I, you know, so I thought it was a two pass sequence from Trey Lance that was fascinating to me today because we, like you said, we saw exactly what we expected to see. One play, he was excellent from the pocket. He he hung in there. He stepped up. He threaded the needle, hit Dwelly on a third and five, moved the chains. All right, big step forward, right? Well, boy, he took a huge step back on his next one from the pocket where he threw the interception. And, you know, he said it was robber coverage, Eddie Jackson, former All-Pro safety. Trey said that he tried to look Eddie Jackson off. I've watched the replay of that like 10 times. I don't see him looking anybody off. No. I see him staring oh, down no. the receiver, right? So um, it, we saw the the good. We saw something to build on. And we saw, oh, boy, uh, this is dangerous right now. And the 49ers need more of the first and not the second moving forward. Yeah. Remember in the preseason and certainly in training camp, um, he was having trouble with those sideline throws. And all of his sideline throws seemed to be too far to the outside. Um, you know, you, you obviously want them accurate, but if you're going to miss, then go too far to the outside because then it's just a, an incompletion out of bounds. There were, there were two um, on Sunday where that were too far inside. One that was so far inside, it, it missed, luckily it missed the, uh, the receiver and the defensive back altogether. Uh, so he was just off, and I'm, I'm sure the weather is a big part of it. I'm sure inexperience is a big part of it. And I'm sure that's what explains... Shanahan's game plan. He knows these things. Uh, he knows that the, the layups that uh, Jimmy Garoppolo could make are going to be a little bit more precarious for the 49ers. And so um, you, you gain your, your yards in other ways. And he's obviously um, intent on, on running Trey Lance. I mean, everybody sort of thought that week five last year was a fluke because here's Trey Lance. He doesn't have any experience whatsoever doesn't really know the offense, so I'm going to give him a game plan that's full of runs. Well, it was very similar to Sundays in Chicago. So I think we can we can now safely assume that this is this is sort of how um, Kyle Shanahan views Trey Lance and is going to use Trey Lance early in his career. Um, I just don't think that you can do that game in and game out because of what we've all been saying. This isn't a guy who's like Kyler Murray, who's able to stop on a dime and, uh, you know, bait you into a, uh, a personal foul like that. He takes you on. Uh, and, and he's done that to his own detriment uh, so far in his career. So uh, I just thought it was interesting that uh, there were 37 carries. 22 of them were either by a uh, quarterback or receivers, uh, eight by Debo Samuel and one by Brandon Ayuk. Uh, that was in part because Elijah Mitchell got hurt at some point. It might, might have been even the, the first quarter. We're not sure. Uh, but he didn't play in the second half, and uh, Jeff Wilson only had uh, nine carries all game. So, uh, Dennis, that's a big deal moving forward. You got a guy, Elijah Mitchell, who is running the ball well. He's their workhorse. He got hurt a lot uh, last season. He was hurt in the offseason, and now he's hurt again. Yeah, and it, it, it bewilders me a little bit why running backs in this system can never stay healthy. And, you know, I, I go back to Brita. I mean, these fast uh, running backs that are, you know, one you know, foot in the ground, downhill runners, it, it just fits so well with what Kyle Shanahan wants to do with this zone. Uh, and Elijah Mitchell's another victim. You know, he, he just can't stay healthy. And, you know, Jeff Wilson's, he's nice, but, you know, he's he's not Elijah. I mean, he's just not that guy 
that can see that you know see see that opportunity or see that that stretch plane just know when to cut one cut you know not dance around one cut cut and start running downhill and you know he's hurt and you know we we were like i said at the beginning of the show you know that trey lance needs all the help he can get and he needs a run game because without a run game then you stick your best player uh debo samuels in as a running back and then he's running in between the tackles um so and then your quarterback i think every game that trey lance has been in I mean, he's been the leading rusher because that's what he has. He has confidence in his legs, probably not so much his arm. So, you know, my question is, I mean, do we know? I mean, I know it's game one. This is his third start in the NFL. But I I think I kind of understand what Trey Lance is about. And, you know, what happens? What happens with his growth? How does he become a pocket passer like a Steve Young? Because Steve Young, it took Steve Young about three or four seasons before he was that pocket passer. But, uh, you know, Steve had a good defense. You know, unfortunately, defense today kind of let Trey down a little bit. But at some point, he's going to have to become that pocket passer. Or is this what we're going to get? Is it going to be more like a Lamar Jackson type thing where, you know, he's going to be running the ball or he's going to be dishing the ball off, but he's going to depend on his legs and make big plays? I I think it's the latter. And I think the 49ers this year, they've been pretty clear about the – you know, saying, hey, we're going to need our defense. We're going to need our skill position players to take the load off of Trey Lance. He's not going to be the guy that we envision him to be right away. I mean, you could use Steve Young as a developmental model if you want to use something a little bit more recent. Josh Allen came into the league in 2018, completed only 52% of his passes, which is right around what Trey Lance completed in training camp throughout the entire session this year. And today he completed 48, 46%, but I'm not going to you know, make that too big because of the the monsoon-like conditions. But, it, you know, I'm on the record. I bet I've said many times I don't expect Trey Lance to be a 60 to 65% passer this year. I think he'll probably be closer to 55, if that, right? If it's like Josh Allen, it'll be 52, 53 his first year. And you don't really expect him to, to round into what you, the ideal, right? 65 to 70 until year two or year three. Uh, either way, that's beyond this season. And you have a really good roster this season. And I think that the first half of this game really showed the the potential power of the 49ers roster. Uh, but they did not build in to the Trey Lance plan. They did not build in 12 penalties for 99 yards and, and turnovers like Debo Samuel's fumble. They, they Sh- Shanahan has said very clearly we need to be really good around Trey Lance to give him runway. And they were good for a half, good-ish for a half, I guess I should say. Uh, they d- d- The defense was excellent, but they weren't good enough in the second half. And that's going to be the formula, Matt. Like, I, I, I don't see any other way around it. I don't think that you could, like, press fast forward on on this guy's development. I think that you're going to have to be good around him and let the development come along its prescribed schedule. Yeah, for sure. And um, like, like we said, I mean, uh, early on, that, that formula was working to a T. Uh, it, it was running game plus D-line plus special teams. And all, all three of those were working really well. I mean, everything was going according to plan. And I, I think that's why this, this loss is so demoralizing. Um, and, and it's almost worse than, than the Rams lost to Buffalo because, um, you know, the, the, the Rams lost to a really, really good team, a team that everybody thinks is going to be in the Super Bowl. The 49ers lost to a bad team. And, and they lost in a game where everything was running on all cylinders. Every facet of their plan was, uh, was hitting um, uh, through two and a half quarters. And then all of a sudden, 
Um, it wasn't. Um, uh, so, D Dennis, I wanted to go back to my question. You, you only answered half of it uh, because I wanted to get your opinion on uh, Javon Kinlaw and uh, Drake Jackson, uh, whether either of those guys or both of them jumped out to you in this game. Well, like, like I said, Javon jumped out first play, the first snap of the game when he just busses through the line and he puts – and he puts pressure on the quarterback. Uh, he had a couple other plays. You know, he had a run play where he was kind of pushed out his hole, but you know, nothing spectacular. You know, I mean that that defensive front is good because Nick Bosa makes it very good, makes it tough to to run and pass on. But again, Javon Kinlaw is another guy that you know he's had some injuries. Now uh, he's got to get some reps. Uh, but you know, I look at. I know he went out the game. I don't know if he came back in the game. But that just shows you, you know, the second half, you know, really no one in the defense kind of kind of stuck out. But, uh, you know, Eric Armstead, you know, we, we talked about his miss his miss sack. Um, it, it, the defensive line was a defensive line. They were getting good pressure. They were great against the run. This is all the first half. Now, remember, this is all the first half before it all kind of went downhill. And, and I know I'm old school and I played back in the 90s where football players were football players. But these guys didn't get any reps. Uh, in in the preseason, you know, Kinlaw had that one, you know, good little game. I think it was the second preseason game. But these guys hasn't they haven't played as a group together. This is the first game they've played together. So you know, there's you know, people don't know it, but there's a lot of calls on the defense. You got to get used to how how guys run stunts. You got to get used to the way you know you know guys are in the game. You know how you play off of each other. So this is the first week. I think they that first half they did a fantastic job. I mean, I was sitting there thinking, man, they are getting after. I mean, this game is, I'm telling you, 10 to nothing, the game was over in my mind. It was over because the defense was dominating. And then the second half, you know, holes started opening up. Uh, Justin Fields started making plays, scrambling around a little bit. But, you know, it's tough to get a read on a D-line because, again, this is the first time they've played all together. And it circles back to our dress rehearsal theory. And, and I really think we're on to something with this. And, you know, I think that Shanahan might, you know, feel the same way, but he was balancing injury prevention with getting as ready as possible for the season. And he figured, hey, since the schedule is so weird and there's a full 17 days in between this final preseason game and the regular season, we won't get as much out of it if we play everybody because there's such a long layoff. I'm sure that would be his answer. I think that kind of was his answer when 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 we talked to him. Um, but boy, uh, it, it, it's, it's tough because you don't like to lose ground in the NFL. The 49ers barely by the skin of their teeth made it to the playoffs last year. So every single game matters. The good news for them is that the rest of the NFC West, at least the teams that have played so far, threw up on themselves as well this weekend. Saw Arizona just get humiliated by Kansas City. And uh, we saw the Rams also get embarrassed by the Buffalo Bills. So, um, you know, the 49ers right now are still in first place. I guess Seattle technically in first place without a loss, but Seattle plays the Monday night game. We'll see how they do. Uh, it, it might it might be a situation, Matt, where they enter week two and, you know, they could just kind of toss this one behind them. It is Seattle next week, though, and the Seahawks uh, will come to town with forecasted weather of 78 degrees and no clouds in the sky. And I'm sure the 49ers, especially Nick Bosa, who said, I just want to go back to California, then his press conference today. I'm sure that the 49ers are happy about that. Yeah, and, um, you know, we, we can slough this off to week one weirdness, uh, and, and I'm sure a lot of teams are doing that this week. But um, they got to beat the Seahawks now. I mean, this is not a good Seahawks team. It's a Seahawks team that's going to be on the road uh, on a short week of preparation as well. So... 
Um, you know, it's not going to be panic time for a while, but this was supposed to be the, the easier half of the schedule. I don't think that we're going to be seeing the Bears in the playoffs. Uh, the, the Seahawks are definitely uh, hitting the reset button as far as their roster. So, uh, you know, they, they've got to take care of business, and, and maybe, Dennis, this will be something that uh, focuses this team so that we don't see those mistakes, so that um, that uh, lack of continuity that, that may be uh, a bugaboo right now to begin the season uh, is eliminated. There's, there's just a, a, a greater sense of urgency from top to bottom. Um, let me ask you this. I mean, when, when your teams, your great, the great teams that you played on, lost a game or lost to a team that you should have uh, beaten. And I realize that uh, that, help, that, that ha- happened very seldomly. Was that sort of a galvanizing effect? Did you always come back uh, even stronger the following week? Yeah, I mean, I can't, you know, so long ago, but I, you know, I can't remember a game where we went into it and just kind of shot ourselves in the foot. I'm sure, I'm sure there was one. At least, at least one. But what I remember about the teams that I played on, it was just the leadership in the locker room. And, uh, you know, I, I was listening to, to, to guys doing their interviews after the game and everybody was kind of taken, you know, it's, it's on me. It's my fault. You know, I didn't. Well, our teams were a little bit different because Ronnie Lott let the person know when you made the mistake. He didn't, he didn't take the blame for anything that he didn't think was his fault. He would be like, Dennis Brown, you missed the sack. You missed it. That was your fault. They scored. So, you know, you, you got to be accountable. You got to be accountable for, accountable, accountable for what, what was on the field. Then you got to correct it. I mean, it's week one, and it's hard to kind of, you know, no panic button. But, you know, you can't make the same mistakes. I mean, you can't have 100 yards of penalty. I mean, if you, if you play the same way you played today against the Seattle Seahawks, on Sunday at Levi Stadium, you're going to get another L. So, you know, you, you got to correct those things, you know, on defense and offense. And you got to figure out, you know, how you help out this young quarterback. And I think we stopped talking about his inexperience maybe next year around this time after he's got a full year under his belt because he's young. I always forget how young this cat is. I mean, he is he is very young. So he, it's going to take a lot, a lot of reps. But, you know, you got to get better. And, and you can't just say, you know, because you were a leader on the team, that you, I'll take the this, I'll take the loss. This is it was all on me. You got to be accountable. You got to pick some people out and say this is not acceptable. We'll never win football games if you do this. So that that was a team I was on. But you know, then again, I had Michael Carter, I had Larry Roberts, I had uh, uh, Ronnie Lott, Charles Haley. So those guys always pointed out and said, "Listen, this was your fault." You know, bottom line, hold you accountable. Then you fix it. And then you move on. Well, I think that's fascinating insight. I think definitely uh, that I think there's less intense finger pointing in locker rooms now, for better or for worse. I think probably for worse in this situation. I mean, the reason you guys were so great, Dennis, is because a lot of it had to be because of that accountability. Nobody wanted to screw up if Ronnie Lott right. was going to call him out, right? right? I don't think that happens as much in locker rooms anymore. I think everybody kind of has this understood agreement where if they go up and take the blame themselves, nobody's going to yell at them. You know, I, I think it's definitely a different kind of league nowadays. And, and you still, you know, hear stories of some of these, like Brady, for example, you know, Brady playing against the Cowboys on Sunday night. He's a guy, you hear stories about him calling people out and making stuff uncomfortable. And he's 45 years old, so he comes from that 
older generation. So well, I think, I think it, it, well, thank you, thank you, yeah. the older generation. I, I think, Fred, but yeah, it's, well, it's, it's I'm, real. I'm complimenting the older generation. You know, yeah, it's real. I I, yeah, I like real. that football yeah. better. Yeah it, yeah, it is real. I do think that Fred Warner is trying to to do that, and and it must be difficult for him in this. In yeah, this that's era, a great but, example. That's a great uh, example. You know, he's doing. It creates thing. fights. This, this this summer, you know, the the whole Ronnie Lott versus Joe Montana thing that the 49ers used to have in practices where, you know, each side was just pushing uh, the other. Uh, Fred was trying to do that this summer and then got got blasted for it, for, for being too rough uh, on the other yeah. team. So there is an element. I think he's trying to bring that back. Uh, but uh, Dennis is right. Uh, it, it's certainly not... Um, in vogue to do that. And it's certainly not in vogue to do that publicly, for sure. Now, whether that's happening behind the scenes, uh, I don't know. But uh, if there's one guy who's going to do it, it's going to be Fred Warner. I think that's such a good point. And, and he does it, and, and Brandon Ayuk squares up to fight him at practice. You know, like, it's, it's, <laughs> like it's just not something. Yeah, yeah, it's just not something the guys are used to today. Oh, you're yeah, disrespecting yeah. me. But now Dennis, you know, Dennis, when, when Ayuk fought Warner at practice, I brought back the 1994 team story. I think Gary Plummer told me about it. I think it was, uh, I think it was Gary Plummer against William Floyd, bar none. I think that they had a big brawl and supposedly like all hell broke loose and George Seifert stopped it and was really mad. And he said, you guys were too soft against Dallas for two straight years. So I brought a bunch of tough guys here so you'd learn how to play football. Now shut the hell up and play football. That's what George Seifert <laughs> said. So you were on that team. So you were probably there on that hot day in Rockland where, when, when that went down. Hey, so did Gary Plummer tell you that? <laughs> yes. that was Gary, Gary, Plummer. Gary Plummer told you that George Seifert told us that he brought on a bunch of tough guys like him to toughen us up a little bit. Is that is that the story? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Gary, Gary. Well, Gary Palmer had the defensive bias, but he, he, he said that the offense but, was soft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I mean, and, and, and that a lot of that is right. A lot of that is right. And um, you know, for for many years, you know, we didn't practice in pads because we, you know, the team was older. You know, and, and a lot of those guys couldn't go in pads and doing it in Rockland. You know, Matt Millen couldn't go in pads every day in Rockland. Uh, Ronnie Lott couldn't go every day. Michael Carter, Kevin Fagan, those guys couldn't go. So we did a lot of a lot of sweats, and we you know we perfected to you know practicing in sweats, even in training camp. And then Gary Plummer and uh, Kenny Norton Jr. come, and you know they wanted to you know to get physical. So we start wearing pads, and you know you give a defensive player pads, it's going to get physical. And the offensive line, the running backs, and you're right, bar none, you know, a great fullback, love contact. Him and Gary Plummer used to pound it all the time because it was perfect because that's what bar none wanted. He wanted that physicality. Uh, and, you know, Ken Norton Jr., you know, beating up the goalpost. That was his his mentality. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can remember that huddle. I, I don't know if George Seifert said I brought a bunch of tough guys. But he said he wanted a more physical practice. He said he wanted a more physical offense and defense. So that part is true for sure. Well, how about this? To, to make your team more physical, what better way to do it than to sign the son of a boxer who beat Muhammad <laughs> Ali? Ken Broke Norton is one of the— Broke his yeah, jaw. <laughs> yeah. one, one of the three, one of the only three to beat Muhammad Ali. And he beat yeah. him in his prime, too. He didn't, yeah. he didn't, beat, him, he didn't beat him there toward the tail end when, when you know Ali's stuck in there a little too long. So yeah. that whole goalpost beating up thing, that's such a cool part of 49ers history. 
Uh, and then he was with them here in 2018. Ken Norton was the 49ers defensive coordinator, or no, linebackers coach, for like One three day. days, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Very, very briefly. <laughs> then he went back and got hired as the DC over in Seattle. Um, anyway, uh, good times. We're, we're just at about uh, our, our little cap here at 45 minutes. Any other thoughts for, for, from you guys on this game? Uh, only that, uh, you know, uh, Trey Lance is, is young. He's 22 years old. And I think we need to uh, give a shout out to another 22-year-old in this game, uh, Talano Hufanga, who had the only uh, takeaway for the 49ers and who led the team in, in tackles. He had a great game. I, and just, uh, you know, a, a Talano Hufanga-type game around the line of scrimmage, lots of, uh, uh, you know, run defense. This was a, a game that was uh, custom-made for him, and he, uh, I thought he rose to the occasion. Yeah, we forget that uh, he is from the state of Oregon where it rains quite a bit. So he, he he's very familiar with the rain and how to play in the rain. And that's what it looked like. It looked like he was really having fun out in the rain. And I think he ended up with like 11 tackles and an interception and two tackle for losses. So fantastic game. That's what they need on that defense, that kind of superstar on the defense. Yeah, I mean, I thought he looked like uh, the guy who trains with, Polamalu, the way he was crashing the run. But good stuff from Hufanga. Definitely something to build on for the 49ers. It's great to have Dennis back. Dennis, awesome to hear your voice again. See you next yeah. week, right, at, at Levi's. We'll see you there. Yes, and, yes. Uh, that's going to be awesome. Uh, just like old times again. And uh, obviously, thanks to Matt, who was out in Chicago for us. Have a safe trip home, Matt. For Matt Barrows and Dennis Brown, this is David Lombardi. We'll talk to you guys next time on Here's the Catch.